0: Um, we kind of just been uh, moving through the storyline of uh, the end of Jesus' life on earth. Um, his uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the Easter story, um, when he, uh, the resurrection, how he reinstated Peter. Um, last week we talked about his parting words and about uh, the promise that he made um, that he will be with us always. And we're going to look tonight at another promise, um, and then next week we'll look at another promise. After that, I have no idea. So um, that's as much as I can give you at this point. Uh, this is a, a, different, a different promise and um, one that is definitely connected to last week about him being with us always. Um, and, and I want to talk tonight kind of in two ways uh, to two different groups of people. In um, some ways, I'm going to talk to the missionaries who were just up here. And so there will be some things I'll say maybe directly to you guys, and then there will be other things I'll say to everybody. Um, and I want there to be a uh, both a distinction and then a non-distinction between uh, them and us. Okay, and I'll explain that a little bit more. But um, basically, uh, I just I want to unpack in reverse what I'm about to tell you. All right. Uh, tonight's promise is uh, is a promise of of an empowered mission. Promise of an empowered mission. And we're gonna. Just take that little statement, that promise, and start at the end and work our way backwards. And so um, let's look at this this text, Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. We'll do uh, go through 11. That'll be as far as we'll get tonight. Um, this is written by Luke, who's a physician. And he um, was not one of the disciples, but he did, all, he did research and all this kind of stuff and, and put all these things together. And so um, he wrote the book. The book of Luke, and this is kind of like part two, um, sort of, uh, starting verse one, says in the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they come together, they ask him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, "It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth." And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. All right, so he's gone, out of here, okay? And so there are the uh, the, uh, the apostles and his disciples and his followers are, are there, and um, I mean, that's it. There, there he is, he's gone. And so he's told them, we looked at the, in Matthew 28, Uh, that he has all authority and he sends them out to go and to baptize and to make disciples and to teach people the way that he taught them. He says, and I'm with you always. And that's a promise we looked at last week, you know, that he is over, he has authority over everything that you could possibly imagine and how that frees us to uh, walk through life knowing that, that anything that comes our way, that he is right there with us. And so that was one promise that we talked about standing on and how, Last week was kind of like, kind of talking about how a lot of times we stand on promises that God never made us, but that's a promise that you can stand on, that no matter what happens, he is an authority over it, and that frees you to walk through it, knowing that he is with you in all things. And so as we're, as we're going through life, um, you know, that's one part of the Great Commission was that, but then the other part was to go and to make disciples, and if you're anything like me, when you when you hear, you know, go and make disciples, and go and be a witness, and go and all this kind of stuff, um, it's a little bit intimidating. It's a little bit, um, I don't know. Like, it, it, if you've been in church for a long time, it's almost like one of those things that you've heard so much that it almost kind of loses its meaning, you know. Sort of the way, like, you know, John 3.16 has kind of, uh, if, if you've heard that for years and 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 years, and years Maybe it doesn't have the same impact that it should, you know? It's like a song. It's like Amazing Grace or like someone saying, hey, God loves you. You know, these really powerful things, but sometimes maybe we've become a little callous to it. So we look at this big command to go and to be a witness for the Lord. Sometimes I don't really know that we know what to do with that. Let's look look back at at verse 8 because this is the one, this is the verse I kind of want to pick on a little bit, all right? So this promise tonight is the promise of an empowered mission, okay? Let's look at 8 one more time. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth, okay? So um, promise of an empowered mission. Let's start at the end of that sentence. Let's pick on the, the mission part, okay? Look at this verse, which is consistent with Matthew 28. Um, to be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. So start thinking, like, what does that mean to be a witness? I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and so um, to us, growing up for a long time, witnessing meant that you, like, there was a time when literally this is what it meant in our youth group, okay? I'm not saying my youth minister taught me this. I'm not saying my pastor taught me this, but this is what I gathered from it: was that you needed to have like a track, or it's actually a tract. There's like a T R A C T. Didn't know that. I always thought it was like a track, like T R A K, you know, or something. Um, I was a good speller. Um, and there was, there was literally we we went to something and they gave us this tract and they gave us like a little like case to keep it in. Um, and it, would, uh, it was called The Answer. Maybe you've seen it. And it, it, was, it was a cube. It was like this big. And it would unfold into the shape of a cross, of course. And um, it was like it would walk you through the, the, the gospel, through the plan of salvation you know, everything, how we were sinners, and we needed a sacrifice, and Jesus was a sacrifice, and this is how you, know, you are saved from sin and all that stuff. And, um, and so it literally meant that you had this track, and you would, keep it in your case so that it would not get damaged, and you carried it with you to school every day. And um, any, like, you were to go and walk people through that, and you were to lead people to Christ. That's what it meant to witness. Like, witness was, um, that's what it was. It was, um, I don't know, like, it was salesmanship. It was convincing people. It was arguing with them. It was uh, if you died in a car accident on your way home tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? I mean, it was that, like that's what it was. Now, as a, as a teenager, when I hear that, there's like I'm 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 split in two on the inside. There's the part of me that is absolutely terrified that um, of 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 having those conversations with people. You know, like that's the last thing on earth that I want to do. That and go to the dentist, are like the two worst things I could possibly think of, um, and throwing up, because I hate to throw up. I mean, you could like take all the bad things in life, lump them in there, and the witnessing in there was one of, you know, so there's that part of me, then the other part of me was the guilty part, that had all these friends who never went to church, never, you know, whatever, and I was trained to judge them, and whatever, and so, like, there I was guilty, but terrified at the same time. And we would have these events where they would say, this Saturday, we're going to we're going to go into Comet Hills West and we're going to like, like split up. We're going to go house to house and we're going to go witnessing, you know. And I'm like, I've got to get the flu. I've got to have something this weekend because I cannot do that. There's no way. And then uh, it took on other forms. It was if you really want to be a witness, you'll wear a Christian T-shirt every single day. This is before school uniforms came in. Um, and so like if you were, it was like the most hardcore Christian thing you could possibly do to wear like a, you know, uh, like JC Nose that was like the bow nose. Remember when it was like Bo Jackson was like bow nose baseball, whatever. And there was ones like J C nose, and he's like, you know, whatever. Uh, it was like the most hardcore thing you could do to wear a Jesus t-shirt. If you were really, real, I mean, if you were super hardcore, you carried your Bible in your book sack. I mean, that was the ultimate. Um, that's where it was all that crazy, like just whatever. Um, that, in my mind, okay. That is what I took away from stuff. I'm not saying I was misled or whatever, but that was my own interpretation of whatever. Um, and so witnessing has this terrible, terrible connotation uh, for me. Um, and it was just wasn't something that that I ever wanted to do. And so it kind of what by default, as someone who didn't want to ever like witness my Default was then just to bring them to church events so that the youth minister could witness to them, or so that the preacher could do it, you know, or whatever. And so instead of like witnessing, I was just kind of like the middleman, you know. And so I started thinking about: okay, look at this verse. Jesus says, You'll see power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Um that verse. Uh, that word witness is the plural of the uh, word martis, M-A-R-T-Y-S. This is what it means. Um, it means one who has information or knowledge of something. One who can give information, bring to light, or confirm something. Okay, So someone who has information uh, about something and can, can confirm something or can bring something into light. It's really, it's, it's almost like like literally if you're watching law and order and they want someone to testify in court and saying, like, I can confirm that this person was with me the night this person was killed and so whatever. Like, that's literally what that word means. In Hebrews 12, when it says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, what that, that connotation, it's the same word that's being used. It, me, it not only means knowledge, but it means knowledge gained through experience. It's... These are people who have an an experiential knowledge of the faith. It's also used for those who go out and tell the good news of the gospel of what Jesus has done. All those things mashed into one are where this word comes from. Now, when I look at what the word means, and I get rid of all all the... the churchy whatever that I um, interpreted over the years, I see something very different, you know. I see something extremely different from what I have thought all these years. And it's hard, it's hard to, to reprogram my brain that when I see the word, you'll be my witnesses, to not jump into what I think it is. And so I'm, you know, I'm having to, like, Ask God to rewire the way that I think so when I see that word, it's not like big red flag and all those. I don't go back to that terrified, guilty, you know, whatever. And I want to get to the point where when I hear that word, I understand that, no, 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 this is like I have knowledge that is based on my experience that I can confirm that Jesus is who he says he is. That's Jesus. He says, you will be my witnesses. You will testify for me in court, basically. Loose interpretation. You'll, you'll crawl up into the, um, like up there next to the judge and you will confirm and you will bring to light that based on your experience that you, can, you absolutely have knowledge that I have done what I've said. You can get up there and you can say that. He's telling them you will... Begin in Jerusalem and you will s- scatter out from there, basically confirming that I am who I am. See, I look at that and I'm not intimidated by that when it's put that way. I know I made fun of tracks, and some people have like, I mean, have changed the world through those things. And so for some, the, the, the easiest way for them to communicate that no, Jesus is. Jesus is a life changer, and he changed my life, and let me, exp- let me show you how this is, is to take out a track and to walk people through that, and that's fine. Maybe I shouldn't make fun of it, whatever. I was really, honestly, I was trying to make fun of my, like, really, really naive understanding of things. So I hope that that comes across. But if someone needs a track in order to, to more effectively bear witness that Jesus is who he says he is, Cool. The best example that I can think of, in, uh, in John chapter 9, you know, Jesus and disciples are coming along, and there's a man who's blind from birth, and disciples say, hey, who was his fault, or his parents' fault that he was born blind, they have this big theological discussion, and Jesus is like, um, neither, uh, it's not about that, uh, this happened, so the guy could show off in his life, and uh, Jesus um, restores his sight, and the dude just goes, and he starts telling everybody, and he goes back to his town, people are like, isn't this the guy that's been blind his whole life, and all this kind of stuff, whatever, and they start, they start asking him all these questions about Jesus, and they're asking him all these questions. And, like, here's this, this beautiful verse. And he says, Look, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's a prophet or if he's a good guy or a bad guy, or whatever. But this is what I know. I used to be blind, and now I can see. And he is what lies in between those two things. He was a witness, he testified, he had experiential knowledge that Jesus is who Jesus says he is. Just that simple. So, the promise of an empowered mission, the mission itself, is simply to live your life communicating that. And that's going to show up in very different ways for each one of us. There are some people who are wired up to go, and they are like, they just have those personalities that push forward in conversation. Cool. It means God wired him up that way. Some people are a little more stealth. Some people are are are. Um, they they love their coworkers. They love their neighbors. They love people. And at some point, the conversation ends up there, and their their deal is like, when that conversation takes that that turn, I'm going to be a faithful witness. You have to look at it and say, how did God build me? Now, you don't let your fear push you around, and you don't let you know whatever push you around. But at the same time. You know, you have to consider the fact that God made you very uniquely. And so while we all have this, this mission of being a witness for Him, it's going to show up really uniquely in each one of your lives, and very uniquely in my life. When I went to, to Israel, it was, it was funny to watch. You know, there's, there's like 33 of us, and it was funny to watch. Uh, we're all scattered around the plane. And to watch different people's personalities come out in like, you know, who they're sitting by on the plane. Because after like our first flight, we get off the, the, the plane and I see somebody who, and I don't really know a lot of people in this group. Okay? I know two people, three people the, out of the 33. Um, and so I see somebody, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that that dude is with our group, but those two people he's talking to are not with our group. It's because he had made two new best friends and new Facebook contacts on the plane, you know? And I'm sitting there just praying that these people don't talk to me on either side of me, you know. I just want to read my book, which really means just fall asleep, because that's give me two minutes and I'm asleep. Um, and it was just it was interesting to watch that happen. And you know, for a long time, I really felt bad. You know, I felt like I'm not being a good witness if I don't like completely like browbeat the person next to me about if this plane crashes or you know where you're gonna go. You know, I felt like I wasn't being a good witness. God's like, no, don't feel guilty about that. If I tell you to speak, you need to speak. That's, that's the mission to bear witness. Say, based on my experience, this is how my life used to be, this is how my life is now, and Jesus is the, is the changing factor in my life. So that's the mission. And so Jesus says, You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Look at verse eight again. That's what he says. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, a big deal has been made about the fact that that is that has like an outward progression to it. That they're in Jerusalem and it spreads geographically to the these region of uh, regions of Judea and Samaria and it goes all the way out there. But basically, you can you can another way of saying that is uh, everywhere. That's like more loose than the message translation. That's like the, <laughs> the most <laughs> loose one ever. It'll be my witness everywhere. Now, now all right. Considering all right, we, we had these our summer missionaries up here. All right, um. Here's here's kind of what I think I think um, we're looking at here. Is this is a call to a a mission a missional life that we designate those who came up here as summer missionaries, okay, that they are going to do something unique for the summer. Now, while that, is, that, it, that distinguishes them among us, um, it does not um, distinguish them in ways that does not need to distinguish them. Cool? Let me explain. Um, they uh, th- th- think about think about this. Okay, You're, our, our lives are are missional like a timeline. Okay, so w- location maybe kind of bounces all over the map. All right. So so there so there's a missional life that's lived in in Baton Rouge, and then for a while some of them are going to Tyler, Texas. Um, one's going to Uganda. Uh, one's going um, way into the east. Uh, I mean, you know, like, all, all over the place. Um, and then when that time is over, they're going to come back to Baton Rouge for a little while and then maybe some uh, will go home to see their parents and you know whatever. So while geographically they're bouncing all over the place, their mission your, uh, let me address you guys who are some missionaries. your missional life looks looks like a timeline, okay So you're going like this and so th- the past month of your life has been lived like this. Now you may get on a plane and fly somewhere else across the planet but the mission of living still is moving this way and then whenever you come back it's still going to keep moving this way and it it, it doesn't ever stop right and here's here would would be the the wrong way to look at it is here you are uh, let's say say that let's say you're one of the up one of the ones up here was a college student so you're chilling and you got to get through finals and you're going on the beach trip because it's awesome and then uh, you leave and so then you go and and you get to Pine Cove or Sky Ranch And your missional life begins. And so there, it's going, it's going, it's going. Week one is done, and you have like 12 hours off, and you can completely unplug and whatever. And so see, this is stopped right here. And then week two, stop. Week three, stop. You know, whatever. Let's say like you you make it through the end of the summer, and you get to check out for a little while and whatever. There is no starting and stopping in a missional life. Acts 1.8 has no starting uh, or has a start, but does not have a stopping point. Your direction, I mean, your locations may change and the people that you're um, ministering to and around are going to change and the context is going to be different, but it never stops. So you're just as missional on the airplane going to Uganda, Lisa, as you are when you're actually in Uganda. Okay. Now, everybody else who's not going somewhere, you have the same exact mission. Your mission doesn't stop either. And so those who are up here, maybe they have some unique uh, missional callings for in different lives, and maybe the rest of us, maybe ours are a little more common, but the mission is still the same. The value that God places on it is still the same. And the steadiness of our progression is still the same. There is no start, uh, there is a start, there is no stop, there is no slowdown, there is no seasonal It's all the time, all the time, all the time. So when Jesus says, you will be my witnesses everywhere, it's everywhere all the time. Whether it is unique and you get to go on a mission trip or you have some kind of something that is is unique, or whether it is common, it is going to work, it is going to Walmart, it is cutting your grass and waving at your neighbor, whatever it it is, it does not stop. That is is the mission. That everywhere we go, we bear witness that Jesus transforms lives. And and what's amazing is that I can witness sitting on a plane being nice to the person next to me. Because my kindness, my graciousness, my not being a jerkiness, uh, whatever... um, communicates my changed life too. And that's, a, that's a, so different from my mindset growing up of saying, this Saturday, circle it, we're going to be missional in this subdivision. That's so different. Now, the simplicity of the mission uh, is one thing, but I'd, I can look at it and say, even though that is simple, it is still a little bit intimidating, okay? The promise of an empowered mission, okay? So that was mission. Let's back up to empowered, okay? Look at verse, look at 1-8 again. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, okay? Um, oh, when we were at Century Kid, the first time we went to Century Kid, the camp pastors up there preaching, And uh, this was the verse, this is like the verse for the week. And um, he was talking about how, uh, you know, he said, said, when you watch a movie and you see a special agent, you know, like a spy, like a James Bond or whatever, um, like before they go on a mission, they're given um, all the tools and all the training that they need to accomplish it. You know, he said they're given passports, they're given like special gadgets, they're given maps, they're given, you know, the blueprints of a building, they're given who the bad guys and, like, who they are and where they're from and, like, what their skills are and all this kind of stuff. And I was sitting there. I was like, that's really good. I'm going to use that one day in sermon today. Um, and I was like, I was, that was so great. All kids were like, yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, and so he says, so God, in this verse he's saying, like, that he's going to give them power to go on the mission. That's really cool. So I started thinking about that uh, this week, and I was, was thinking – you know, you know, you take the best special agents. Uh, I realize that they all have the initials J and B, which is awesome. Uh, so if your, name, if your initials are J and B, then you have a special destiny in front of you. Um, James Bond, Jack Bauer, uh, Jason Bourne, you know, whatever. Um, these guys, I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, they have all this training, but, but here's the thing. They have the training, they have the passports, they, have, they can speak all the language, they can do all this stuff. If Jack Bauer and I went through the same training, same gadgets, same everything that was there, that was completely available, and for some reason we wound up having to fight each other, it would be ugly. It would be. And, and so I started thinking about it. I was like, okay, I agree with what the guy said at Central Kid. I do. But I was like, there's, there's something that's not there. There's, there's something that's not quite the same. Because not just anybody can be a special agent. I cannot be a special agent. Why? I know you're asking the same question. <laughs> <laughs> um I just don't have that special something that they look for in, uh, you know, high-tech secret ops, you know, whatever. Um, I'm, I'm just not that guy. I don't have the reaction time. I don't have the, the vengeance, you know, just to kill people, um, uh, you know, whatever. However you want to look at it. I'm, like, and even if I wasn't a pastor or whatever, like, I just physically and, like, mentally, my eyesight's not good enough. My hearing, I mean, you name it. There's just so many reasons, so many things that I just don't have. And those guys who are, you know, like your Navy SEALs, like those guys are just freaks, man. There's just something about them. And that's why, I mean freaking the most positive way possible. Um, That's why there's so few of them. That's why it's so hard. And that's why we all watch those like Discovery Channel things about Navy SEAL training. Because we're like, how can these guys, like how do they do it? They have that special something that makes them successful. It's about more than the training. It's about more than the gadgets and the passports and the, the blueprints of the building and all, and all the It's about, they just, they have something in them that makes them successful. On the mission that you and I are called to, we can have all the training we want. We can have the tracks. We can have the scriptures memorized. We can have the map of the subdivision and know where the people who don't go to church live and target them. I mean, I don't have, take it as far as you want. I don't really care. We can have all that stuff down and do all our homework. But if we don't have that, that one special thing, we're not going to be successful. And that thing is empowerment. That is what, that is what makes the difference. That's why Jack Bauer would smoke me in a battle, because he's got that special something. When it comes to our mission, the empowerment by the Spirit of God, that is the special something. And this verse, listen to me. This verse says that you have it. This verse says that I have it. That I look at the mission that's ahead of me, my mission being a common mission of my everyday life, my life doing like like this. You guys who are about to go and do some unique things that your life doing like this, all of us doing like this, I look at it, it's simple, be a witness for Jesus, it's intimidating because it just kind of is. This verse says you have it everything that you need. That they've not given you all this training and all this kind of stuff and dropped you in the middle of nowhere without you having the one thing that's going to make it click. You've got it. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's huge. They know how it is because a lot of times we look at we look at our the the mission that is before us and we look at our work environment and our neighborhoods and all this kind of stuff and we feel like oh I've already messed this up or how can I do this and this and this and there's so many things that we see out there. You guys are going to serve. You look at these these kids that are going to come in to camp staff and they're you know you don't know them and you're intimidated. Maybe you're going to another country. Maybe you're going to do whatever. And there's all these things that you're you know just worried about and all this kind of stuff. All these things that intimidate us. And this verse says, yeah, but you got power. You have the one thing that you need. Everything else will come. You have it. You have that one special thing. The promise of an empowered mission. You are Jack Bowen. The last point is that it's promised. We'll we put this on the screen, and you don't have to flip to it. Let me read it to you. This is the end of Luke 24. It says, He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the songs must be fulfilled. And He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it's written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Everything that we, like I, I mean the whole missional thing is all right there. Everything that they need to bear witness to says, "This is what you had to bear witness to, and you have witnessed it. And now you're going to go, and you're going to go be my witnesses." But you need to wait in Jerusalem until I send uh, the, you know, the, until the Father makes good on His promise. You need to wait, and whenever you have power, you can go. And then we go back, look back at one eight in Acts. And you see that's there. And here's what what happens. Jesus says it there in Luke twenty four and Acts one Jesus says. He says it. He makes the promise. Okay, If you look at Acts chapter 2, um, that's when there's 120 of them, and they're basically like, Jesus said to wait and to pray. So they go to the upper room, and they're praying, and the Spirit comes, and like they are empowered, and they begin to worship, and uh, it's just amazing. Okay, So Jesus says it, and then he does it. And if you look at the way the book of Acts breaks down, here's, here's where it goes from there. Chapters 1 through 7 are all about ministry in Jerusalem. Chapters 8 through 12 are about ministry in the regions of Judea and Samaria. Acts 13 through 28 are about ministry that expands out from there to the ends of the earth. The whole book of Acts is an expansion of Acts 1 8. It demonstrates it. So Jesus says it and then he does it. And then it all happens. And that's the, way, that's the way that the promises of God work, is that God says, I'm going to do this, and then he does it. And then like everything rolls from there. That's, that's how it works every time. So it's a promise of an empowered mission. This isn't something that, that God's saying, like, yeah, this might happen, hopefully. This is a promise that he has made. So he makes this promise to them, and we have 28 chapters where we watch this whole thing unfold. And so we watch it go from Jerusalem and the Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, and then here you and I are sitting here, 2009. We are proof that the promise right there is good. That's kind of huge. So How can we know it's a promise from God? Well, because we're here. This is a promise you can stand on, that your missional life, wherever it brings you, is empowered, and you don't have to cross your fingers and hope, because God has promised that to you. It's a promise you can build your life on. So When you look at your life, is this a promise that your life is built on? I can't say that mine is all the time. I think sometimes, I think I'm learning, but I wouldn't say that, yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. But that's, where we're, that's where we're going, right? That's what we're working on, right? I want to look at my life, no matter where tomorrow brings me or, wh- or where God's, God brings me in the rest of life or whatever, my mission keeps doing this. That mission is completely empowered, and it's a promise. So whether he's bringing me to work or he's bringing me to South America somewhere, same promise, same power, same mission. Huge. So I think the challenge is for us to really ask ourselves, how much of my life is built on this promise? Let God take it from there. Say, God, I need help with the word witness. I need help with my life being continual and not stopping and starting i need help to see it my life through acts 1 8 start there god will take you and he will he'll run with so here's what here's what we're going to do this is the way we pretty much normally do things we're going to let you kind of sit for a minute think about this because i know what happens because as soon as we're done and you start seeing people and whatever and things kind of go we need sometimes we need time for things to marinate just a little bit. So we're gonna let them do that. And we're gonna let you sit for a second. And then we're gonna sing we're gonna sing some songs that are specifically about this. And I believe as we do that, some God just he he moves. And so just be responsible with these minutes that we have. Let me pray for us. Um, God, we love you, and um God, we're thankful. it's very humbling that you would trust us with such an important mission um, we know that you have and that's not uh, it's not an accident god um Let us know what tonight is about for us. If we need to be challenged, I pray that you do that. Just move us forward. In these moments while we're together and things are getting more quiet, I just pray that you'll um, you'll just have your way in our hearts and our minds tonight.